Well, hello there. This is Brother Timothy Groover with another edition of the Word of the King. The Word of God says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4, where the word of a king is, there is power, and who may say unto him, What doest thou? If you want the power of the Word of God in the English language, look no further than that Bible in the English language, which has the authorization of a king. That's the King James A.V. 1611. And not only does it have the authorization of that earthly king, King James, but above all, it has the authorization of the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself inspired those very words as they are written down in English. Today, on the word of the king, I have Brother Nico Verhoff with us. And Brother Nico is going to be talking about the Bible version issue. There's a lot of confusion today around which... Bible is the Word of God. God is not the author of confusion, my friend. And we got Brother Nico here today. How are you doing, Brother Nico? Fine, thank you. And before Brother Nico uh, is used of the Lord here to help dispel some of the confusion, to help s scatter the confusion around this issue, by the grace of God, Brother Nico, would you, first of all, not only lead us in a word of prayer, but after you're done praying, would you also... Get into your testimony before getting into that issue for us, please. Sure. Father, we do come to you and do thank you again, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, for uh, the blood of your Son, which you shed on the cross of Calvary for each and every individual on this earth. We thank you for opening our eyes, and we pray that you use this testimony for opening the eyes of many who have not been saved, never been born again, and never trusted only a person for the salvation of their eternal souls yes. from hell. Name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in His name that you bless this hour and give me the wisdom and the proper words to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. That amen. amen. Well, I'd like to introduce myself. I was born in 1968 and uh, raised in the Netherlands, uh, Europe, near Amsterdam. That is uh, a small country west of Germany, north of France and Belgium, and east of England. And um, my parents raised me in the uh, Dutch Reformed Church, which, as some of, some of you maybe know, uh, has a Calvinistic uh, influence. And I heard the Ten Commandments, the law, being read every Sunday. I had to go to church till I was in my teenage years. And due to the fact that um, I was, uh, for my tenth years of age, interested in playing football. We call it soccer, but we call it football you play with your foot. Uh, I played a lot of ball and uh, I was not very interested at all in church, the Bible or Jesus Christ in my teenage years. My big dream was becoming a <laughs> professional football player like many American kids want to be a professional basketball, ice hockey, American football, uh, baseball player and my dream was uh, a football player and when I was about 13, 14 years of age, they drafted me for the tryouts of the Dutch national soccer team. I was very happy with that, but my parents were not that happy. My dad, being a dentist, wanted his son to make a career in certainly not sports. Uh, my whole family is completely a-sportive, um, and uh, he discouraged me in that, and uh, when I was about 17 years of age, I remember I first had a heavy knee injury. When I was 18, I got another heavy knee injury. And as a result, I couldn't play for one and a half years. Now, during that time, 
um, I got into the hospital and started to read the Bible. I got a Bible as a gift from uh, the school where I graduated from when I was 12 years of age. And uh, it was an NIV, a Dutch NIV Bible. And that Dutch NIV Bible, uh, I was interested in. I read uh, the Old Testament books of Ecclesiastes, of Proverbs. I wanted to know more wisdom, but I never got much in the New Testament. After graduation of high school, I went to university to study economics. My dad as a dentist said, if you finish your studies there, I pay your way to Harvard Business School to do your MBA there. And the third step was then getting me into the World Bank or the IMF, where he had some family working there. And that was his ideal for his oldest son. Well, when I came to university, I uh, finished my first year. And then that first year of economics, I met a fellow who was a Christian. And he asked me a question. And that was, are you a Christian? Are you saved? And I thought, well, I try to go to church once every so many weeks. Um, but the city I went to was not really that enticing for church. It was the only university city in the Netherlands where all the bars were open 24-7. Beside that, I still played ball. And I played for the first team of the university soccer, uh, university team there. And uh, I had a good time, but something was missing. Uh, there was no joy, there was no happiness, there was no clear conscience, and uh, I knew people were praying for me. I met a uh, brother, and he was a Christian, and he said, well, how about if we read the Gospel of John together? And found out what the Bible says, who is Jesus, and secondly, what has he done for you personally? I said, well, that you know won't hurt a bit, so we started to do that now. I already did a public confession of my faith when I was 19 years of age in the Dutch Reformed Church. I was not born again. I could take partake of the Lord's Supper there. I sometimes went to church, knew the Ten Commandments. But the older I got, especially my student days, the more I knew I was a sinner, the more I knew I couldn't keep God's commandments, uh, the more I knew I was uh, by nature a liar, a fornicator, a thief, and I needed forgiveness of my sins. And... By reading the Gospel of John in the first year, the Lord showed me that I was under His wrath. As the Bible says, he who believeth not shall not see light, but the wrath of God abides on him. And I knew that God's wrath was on me. I knew that when I would die, I would go to a place, a literal place called hell. I didn't want to go there. When reading the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ uh, had a statement in John chapter 14, verse 6. Where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, I thought he is either a lunatic, he is uh, a liar, or he is indeed God, as he says he is. But reading through the Gospel of John, I could never imagine him to be a lunatic. He was a very wise man, uh, a wise teacher. He knew how to deal with masses of people, with his enemies, train and teach his disciples. He was certainly not a lunatic. Well, a liar, that was out of the question, since no man would die for a lie, knowing it is a lie, and die a terrible, a tortured death. So the only alternative was, he is indeed, we claim to be, the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, which he proved to be by the resurrection from the dead. Well, I didn't know for sure, till somebody said, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. 
In other words, if you want to know how an orange tastes, you have to take a bite. If you want to know how an apple tastes, you have to take a bite. And the Lord says, uh, come and, and taste that the Lord is good. I didn't know the Lord. I knew about Him. I knew a little bitty Bible. But I didn't know Him personally as my Savior. So one night after it was explained to me, I was about 19 years of age. I went home, knelt at my bedside, and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ with His blood to forgive me of all my sins and save my eternal soul from hell. I accepted a person. I trusted a person. For the salvation of my soul. Not anymore a confession of faith, a church, a thing, but a person. And I remember I went to bed and uh, slept and woke up. And the first thing which I still remember what happened the next morning was I felt the deep peace of God in the presence of the Lord. And I knew my sins were gone. I knew I had eternal life. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, this is a record God has given unto us eternal life. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. I knew I had life because I had the Son. The once ineffectual sacrifice of Christ on the cross was applied to His blood to my soul. Well, the first thing I did was try to witness. I want to read the Bible as much as I could. And I said to witness to my, my folks, my family, my parents, my brother. And most of them thought I was just nutty as a pecan pie. I was just, I didn't have it all anymore. And uh, witness to my buddies at the soccer club. And uh, some of them got saved. Some of them, most of them did not get saved. And uh, then the Lord dealt with me about following him. And the Lord says, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. I said, I'd like to see what it means to be a fisher of men. Well, the Lord said, you have to pay a price. I didn't know much at that time in the Bible. But when uh, preparing for the next soccer season... The Lord gave me, uh, in my daily Bible reading, John chapter 12, verse 24. And it says there the following in the King James Bible. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And that was the verse God showed me I had to die to myself, to my ambitions of uh, an economist and business life and playing ball for the university soccer team. So I said, all right, I stopped for one year playing ball. And that time I used to memorize scripture, study the scriptures and go through the book a few times a year. Well, I said to the Lord, if nobody gets saved, I go back playing ball again for the university soccer team. You can do these things, but this is how I thought in these days. And after one year and we memorized the scriptures, God gave us 19 people who got saved. And after that one year, I want to go back, but the Lord said, uh-uh. What was the promise? What was the deal? Well, I said, all right, you gave me soul, so I guess I cannot go back. That's right, the Lord said. So I had to spend time with these guys, led to the Lord, and they want to grow. So I had to learn some Bible and stay ahead a little bit of them. In scripture memory, Bible study, sound doctrine, witnessing, prayer, and so forth. And we did it for about, all oh, five, six, seven years. And... Um, after my studies, I stayed in that city, and a bunch of young men got saved. Some of them are now on the mission field in uh, Central Asia, in the Middle East. And we took a lot of these guys on mission trips and taking them to different European countries, witnessing and passing out gospel tracts all over Europe, to Kazakhstan, to Australia, to Canada, just to different places. Well, in these years, I ran into some material of Jack Chick. Uh, he is a cartoon writer. He passed away a few years ago, and uh, 
by his material, I was introduced to the issue of the Bible, the difference in the different Bibles. Till that time, I memorized, studied, led souls to the Lord in a Dutch NIV. Now I found out that there were differences in the Reformation Bibles and the new versions. So as a result, uh, we translated some of the stuff from English into Dutch. Uh, did a comparison of about 70 different Bibles on 162 references. And I got a, some trouble with a local church I was a member of because most of these people had new versions, not the Dutch equivalent of the King James, the Dutch State Bible 1637. And um, after I presented the stuff I wrote in Dutch in a comparison to the elders of that church, they all rejected it, all of them, not a single one accepted. And I said, well, I want to learn some Greek and Hebrew in a place where the teachers are Bible believers believe the Reformation Bible. And I couldn't find a single place in Europe. So the Lord led me to the United States of America. There were some places there where the authorized version 1611 King James Bible is still the final authority. And I studied for three years there and uh, studied Greek, Hebrew, manuscript, evidence, and Bible. Uh, also was introduced to the idea of street preaching in public. And after three years, the Lord called me to Liechtenstein, a small uh, country in the Swiss Alps between Switzerland and Austria. I never wanted to be a pastor. As I said before in the beginning of my testimony, I despise pastors, churches, and stuff with the Bible. Now God wanted me to be a pastor. A church asked me to consider taking a church, becoming their pastor. And uh, when I preached for them a few times in German after uh, graduation with the Bachelor of Divinity, the Lord showed me that's the place I needed to be. The church called me with a 100% vote, and God gave me John chapter 21, where the Lord said to Peter, Simon Peter, lovest thou me? Yes, Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Well, he said, feed my lambs and feed my sheep. He was it there are the lambs and the sheep. If you love me, you feed him. So there I got stuck in the Swiss Alps. I wanted to be an evangelist, winning souls, but God said, you're going to feed my sheep. You'll be a pastor, teacher. And uh, after the first year, we started the Bible Institute with five students. That was about 17 years ago. And the last 17 years, uh, the Lord, through the training of man in Dutch, in German, and Europe, and later in English, in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India, gave us many, many indigenous missionaries who now are gone out as street preachers, soul winners, pastors, teachers, in the Netherlands, the Faroe Islands, Scandinavia, the Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, uh, Greece, uh, India, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. And I have to say, looking backward, it all started with the understanding that God has given a perfect, holy Bible in the end times, in the universal language of the world, the authorized version. The book, it says in Psalm 132, verse, sorry, Psalm 138, verse 2, How important that book is for God. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. There are a few things written there. It's thy holy temple. It's thy name. It's thy love and kindness. It's thy truth, but thy word is above all his name. And that book, as is given here, is the book in the last days. That's a 
final purification, the seventh purification of God's words, starting with the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the Greek, the Syrian Peshitta, the Old Latin, the German, and finally the Authorized Version 1611 Bible. That's the book. And that's the book we started also using for our Bible projects. Uh, we did some Bible projects and or reprinted Bibles in the Israeli language, Ivrit, the Hutra 1817 New Testament. You can get it from our website, holybiblefoundation.org. Uh, Ukrainian, uh, we reprinted a uh, 1881 Kulash version with some doctrinal corrections from the authorized version. We reprinted the Frisian, Dutch and German Reformation Bibles from the 16th and 17th century. Uh, we redid the Henry Martin versions in the um, Urdu, Pakistan language, and the Persian language of the 19th century for Pakistan and uh, Iran. And we did the William Carey versions in the Telugu, the Hindi, the uh, Pashto, that is the Afghani language, and the Punjabi, the Bengali, the Canarese languages, the Marathi language. Uh, and the reason being is that when I went to these different countries, the thing struck me was that the Reformation Bibles in the Philadelphia Church of Spirit, the 19th century, for the most part, they were gone. And the missionaries in these countries did not have any access to these Bibles. Now, when you go anywhere and you see people getting saved, when you preach the gospel, it's a wonderful thing. But they need to be uh, brought into local Bible-believing churches. The first trouble is then, there's no sound doctrine. The second thing is, there is no material available. The third thing is, there are no pastors being trained because there are no good Bible teachers. And the final and most sad thing is, there are no good Bibles left anymore in the local languages. So, what we try to do is first give them a good Bible, uh, based upon the Reformation text, uh, when possible, correct it with some authorized version readings in the uh, Shemitic languages, and uh, secondly, train nationals. So, we started an institute in India in 2010, training nationals. It is the same in Pakistan and later in Afghanistan and uh, training nationals, reprinting uh, these Bibles of the Philadelphia Church Age, and then having the nationals win their own people to Jesus Christ and train them. And after some time, they, through the tithes of their own uh, churches, are able to um, be taken care of with their families when they minister the Word of God. Now, later, as about 30 years ago, after my salvation, I found out the verse God gave. The verse God gave me, in the uh, beginning of my, uh, my Christian walk was Isaiah 58, verse 12. They that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repair of the bridge, the restore of path to dwell in. I never got it when I got saved. Now I see it. And the reason is that uh, in the last days, the enemy has taken the words of God away from the body of Christ through infiltration, imitation, and he is very successful in that. So when you listen to this broadcast or this testimony, you need to check your own Bible. And you can check a few simple references, Colossians 1, 14, in other words, through his blood in there. Redemption is through his blood. If it's not in there, it's a lie and it's a false Bible. You can check it in 1 John 5, verse 7, where it says, but it should say, there through it be record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. That's the greatest verse in the Trinity. Is it in there or not? If it's not in there, you have a corrupted Bible. Then you can see in Acts chapter 2, verse 27, 31, the word hell should be in there. If it's not in there, 
You have a corrupted Bible. Then look at Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and 30. The word child, holy child, Jesus should say, instead of holy servant. There are just a few things you can check if you have the book with the breath of the king on it, uh, the power of the king on it, or a corrected, uh, uh, corrupted English Bible or a Bible in a different language there. Now, that is the main thing. The main question is, in life, has God spoken? If so, where is are the words of God? And where can you get them in your own language? Now, in the universal language of the world, it is the authorized version 1611 Bible. The German language is the Luther Bible, the old Luther, 1545, made a year before Luther died. The Dutch is the 1637 Bible, and so forth and so on. But the main thing you need to have in English is an authorized version 1611 King James Bible. There is no Bible better than that book. That is the book the Bible calls the Holy Scriptures. Now, the Holy Scriptures is defined as the book with God's breath upon it. That's very important to understand that. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, God says, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And in verse 15, we see there's not a reference to the originals, but to copies of copies of copies. Now, in um, Job 33, we read, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. God's breath has given you life, me life. The breath of God gave the Almighty, gave Adam life in Genesis 2, verse 7. That is by far the most important thing you need to know. Do you have a book with all God's words and it is, is it inspired? Uh, Job 32, verse 8 says, There is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. God's inspiration, God's breath, has been put over this King James Bible. It's been worked on for seven years, between 1604 and 1611, by about 54 men. And when that book was read, finished, God did the same as he did when he finished Adam. He put a breath upon this book, like he put a breath in Adam's nostrils, and Adam became a living soul. This book became alive. This book is the only book in the English language which is alive. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, sorry, Hebrews chapter 4, verse um, 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is a critic. So that book criticizes your thoughts and intents before you do anything. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his side. His side refers to the word of God with a small w, not with a big w. The big w is a reference to Jesus Christ. The small w is a reference to the word, the book with the words of God. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Who are the eyes of him? That's the book. The book has eyes. The book can speak. The book has power. The book can save. That's the unique thing of the authorized version 1611. So what, when you want to really love your country, you want to do something for your country, there are two things you can do. Stick with that book, preach and teach it, and pray for your leadership. Pray for the government and those in authority. 
Uh, now, then we come to the point what we call the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation. The Reformation is not a Reformation. It was basically a revolution where God's Word again became available in the language of the people based upon the proper uh, Hebrew, ben Chaim, and Greek, Texas Receptus, the Byzantine majority text, which was preserved by the Greek Church till 1453, and then after the fall of Constantinople <coughs> came over the Balkans to Northwestern Europe, where it was put together as in the One Testament by Erasmus in 1516, and uh, Luther used his second edition, 1519, for a German translation in 1522, which Tyndale translated in 1525 in Germany, Wittenberg, into English. And that is for 90% plus the basis for the New Testament in the authorized 1611 King James Bible. The book with the per preserved, perfect words of God, all inspired and breathed upon. That is what you need. If you don't have that, you need to get that book. That is the book with God's blessing upon it. We say in German, An Gottes Segen ist alles gelegen. Everything depends on God's blessing. If you want God's blessing, the first thing you need to do is to check yourself if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. If you're not sure you're born again, you need to stop trusting your own righteousness, stop trusting your own religion, your own works, your own goodness, and trust God's righteousness a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have him and his save and his blood, that alone, he alone will save you to the uttermost. You can come as you are to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to save you and ask his blood to cleanse you from all wickedness and unrighteousness. Now, the second thing you need to do is get a King James 1611 authorized version. And if you don't have that, write us uh, or write this ministry here and you get one. If you know uh, somebody in a different language needs a good Bible, you can contact us on our site www.holybiblefoundation.org. You have the top 100 languages mostly spoken in the world with a good Bible available there, either uh, online or printed. And uh, that is what you need to have. And finally, you need a good Bible-believing church. And you need to pray that God shows you the place He wants you to go. And the first thing, a church with a King James Bible needs to be Baptist, needs to have a sound doctrine. If you found that, be faithful in that local church. Serve there till God either calls you home or calls you to the mission field. Amen? And if you believe God calls you to the mission field, pray that God will send forth laborers. If you start to pray that, that's a dangerous prayer because in Matthew 9, 37, 38, the disciples who prayed that in Matthew chapter 10 are sent out two by two to, God, to bring the gospel into the whole world. Now, if you want to do that, study and ask the Lord if He calls you to preach the gospel, to go out and you start in your own Jerusalem with some gospel tracts, pray for your folks, your friends and your family on your knees, then speak to them about their souls, about Jesus Christ, and you're going to find some souls, some people you can win for Him, and then pray by the grace of God He may use you as a missionary to the most part of the world. That's what we need, more men and women called to minister in their own Jerusalem and then to the uttermost part of the world. May the Lord bless you and good day. Okay. Thank you, Brother Nico. Again, dear listener, the Word of God says, 
Proverbs. Uh, we're not to add to the word of God unless he would prove us and we'd be found liars. Uh, we know from the book of Revelation 22 uh, that there is a strong penalty that God has laid out for those who add to or take away from his words. Uh, for those who add to his words, God has plagues that he will add to them. And for those who take away, their name will not be found in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Again, the word of God says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified. By his blood we should be saved from wrath through him. Revelation 21.8 But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Romans 4.5 tells us, Now to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So believe on the resurrected Son of the Lord Jesus Christ today, sinner, and be saved. This is Brother Timothy Groover saying, God bless you and yours. Till next time.